The Legendarium Podcast is brought to you by, by you. So please visit patreon.com slash legendarium to, to support the show. But for now, welcome to The Legendarium. It's remarkable what a difference Ken makes on a podcast. Can you imagine us talking about <laughs> relationships for the first 10 minutes uh, with Ken here? I can't. <laughs> Stephanie, you are a malign influence on this podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Legendarium Podcast. This is episode 215, and today we are discussing The Way of Shadows. This is Night Angel number one by Brent Weeks, but we'll get there in just a second. I am Craig Hanks, your host. And over there, he puts the ass in Assassin. It's Ryan Bruckman. You don't want to know what I put in Wet Boy. Oh, wait. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Can we move on very quickly, please? No. I, I'd like to I'd like to marinate in that for just a second. I really, really wish I would have thought that one through a little bit longer. <laughs> All right. Well... <laughs> I don't really think I need an insult after that one because I'm already married to that. You're, so. get, you're getting one anyway because because I've heard unconfirmed reports that she makes Ryan call her doll girl. It's Stephanie Bruckman. Thanks. Yeah, I, yeah, I have nothing after what Ryan just said. Yeah, I know so. that was that was really. I like this episode should be over. That's it. We're done, right? You, we're not going to top that. You go out while you're ahead. Yeah, if, that, if, if that's our mark of a head, then we're really in trouble. <laughs> so. Uh, I don't even know where to go with that. Oh, I guess I should say we were going to have Kyle on, of course, because this is a red team episode. Uh, Kyle is down with the flu, I believe. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, it was going to be a four person panel, but we're down to three. Three is normal. Uh, but Stephanie, so glad you could come. Thanks. Stephanie is indeed, uh, very close to one Ryan James Bruckman and, uh, and we're happy to have her here. So, don't screw this up. Like she was on our Mistborn. Mistborn. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. You did come on before. So your old hat at this. Yeah. You won't screw it I'm, up. I'm pro now. Yeah, so. you're, yeah, it'll be fine. She listens faithfully to every one of our episodes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Now, if she did, <laughs> you'd be sleeping in this studio. <laughs> All right. So before we get to the Way of Shadows, obviously the housekeeping, make sure you... Uh, go to patreon.com slash legendarium to support the show. Once again, thank you so much to those who already do that. And uh, and I hope that we'll get to see some of you. I know there's at least one or two of you who will be at JordanCon. Um, uh, if there are any other patrons or Redditors or people who follow us on Facebook or Twitter uh, who are going to be at JordanCon, we hope that you will let us know so that we can uh, be sure to go shake your hand and thank you for listening. Uh, anyway, any other things when it comes to Reddit? I, I mean, I should say the legendarium.reddit.com is where you can join the conversation. And thank you to those who participated in Ryan's pre-discussion uh, thread. They, you gave us some questions and comments to talk about uh, during our Night Angel episodes. There are going to be two of these. The This episode, we may not get to those Reddit comments yet. Uh, but in two weeks, when the next episode airs, uh, we will definitely get to those by then if we don't today. So if you don't hear your comment, don't worry about it. We will get there. Anyway, are we ready to talk about 
Night Angel. Let's do this. Yeah. Okay. So a, uh, a recap is in order. Uh, Azoth is an orphaned street rat. Surprise! He grew up in the mean streets of a nondescript pre-industrial city that seems to be ruled by sex and violence, surrounded by lots of other children like himself, organized into gangs. Except, surprise, Azoth isn't like the other children. Not really. Azoth kills his cruel gang leader, thus becoming the apprentice of the city's best wet boy. <laughs> Which, I'm sorry, I can't, <laughs> I can't really say that out loud without laughing. <clears throat> the city's best assassin, Durzo Blint. Under Master Blint's tutelage, Azoth becomes Kylar Stern, wet boy extraordinaire. <laughs> I can't. Okay, I'm leaving that behind. And just in time, because some stuff is happening and there's an invasion and there's a magical thing that needs recovering so that Kylar can become magical too, and there's a damsel who needs winning, and there's intrigue and romance and betrayal, and after it all, the invasion is stopped, the magical thingy is recovered, and the damsel is won. And if it feels like I'm being flippant, it's only because I kind of am. Recaps like this are really only meant to remind you of the bare bones of this story, and the bare bones of this one are basic and well-trod. Brent Weeks reinvented no wheels when he wrote this book, but you know what? I'm fine with that because this one rolls really well. So let's talk about why. Ryan, you have been recommending this one for a while. Yes. You knew we were going to read Brent Weeks, and so you read ahead months ago, mm -hmm. and you said, uh, you guys are going to be so interested in this one. You're, you're going to love it. I'm so excited for us to get to it. Is that because this book was basically teenage you's wet dream? <laughs> no, no. Uh, I mean, come on, though. It was. Like, like uh, you know, uh, uh, down on his luck, young lad becomes a violent assassin and learns how to swing swords really well and, and you know, like, runs around. I'm picturing 14-year-old you running around with a katana and, like, being an assassin. And that shouldn't it, be picturing you saw me do that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that we have attacked were together. each other with real katanas before. <laughs> I have nicks true. in my katana from where you hit me with them. He owns a katana. So do I. Um, so anyway, yeah. Tell me about uh, why you were so excited. Just give us some broad strokes. Why is it that you were so excited for us to get to this book? So I, I had just finished the Lightbringer series by Brent Weeks. Really liked the author. I had not, I hadn't really intended on going through the Night Angel series, but enjoyed Lightbringer quite a bit and jumped into Night Angel. Um, and just shot through the whole series really quick. And my perspective and my, my drive like the for us to do this comes from the piece as a whole, um, more so than necessarily this book by itself. Because I agree, this book is, um, I, I love this book, I think it's great, but it is, it is the exposition, the, the setup for the larger piece that a lot of epic fantasy stories gets, where it's, our hero is the down, like, you know, you're kind of joking about the the downtrodden orphan who's discovering that he's got something different about himself, you know, and we follow that trope all the way through. That's okay. Yeah, Just totally. make it, make it, make the journey interesting, mm -hmm. even though it's it's a journey we've been on. Make it interesting. Give me a, something that's semi-unique um, in terms of the world and the way that, like, your magic system and everything else works. Like, give me that and we're going to be good. Um, but the thing is, like, this... For me, this series is so enjoyable because of the character relationships and the discussions about morality, because there are only like two characters in this book that have a pretty strong moral compass or that are kind of on that saint level type thing. Mm -hmm. Like you would say, these are good people. No one else in this book. There's like <laughs> three. I think three. There's Logan. Mm -hmm. um, there's 
Eline. Yes. And the general guy. Lord General Aegon. Aegon. That's the one. Right? Well, I guess there's the like, count. The, oh, Aegon no. cuts the king's head off, though. Like, well, right, but well, I Count mean, Drake has yeah. quite the assorted past, but but now he, he's, get, he gets yeah, to that. Count, yeah, Count Drake does become a better person. Yeah, anyway, but it's, but yeah, your point is still taken. This series, like, you can spend a lot of time looking at this and kind of just playing in the in, in figuring out where the morality sits of your characters. What's and having those philosophical discussions about was this right? Was this wrong? Um, are they a good person? Are they not? There's plenty of that in this because of the world in which they live and the decisions they're forced to make. So there's a lot here to play with. So it's not, you know, it's not just good, you know, clearing pure of heart character goes and pulls magic sword and, and does this. Like there's, there's, a, there are actual consequences and moral discussions to be had. Very good. Stephanie, uh, you demanded to be on this episode. <laughs> demanded i i you practically had a gun to our heads <laughs> why that's that's some harsh language there <laughs> no i'm kidding why did but, you want to be on this episode i mean we've done 214 other ones apparently you did one <laughs> uh but uh, but why this one why did you want to come on for these so ryan and i've had several conversations about this and the specifically the women in this this story and the decisions they make and what kind of, um, how they fit into their society. And the more we got talking, Ryan was constantly like, we need a woman's perspective. We need a woman's perspective. And I was like, well, it just so, so happens I happen to be a woman <laughs> and I enjoyed the book. Jury's still out. Well. Sorry. <laughs> but I really enjoyed the book. We we listened to it on a road trip home from California and like, I have reread it since. Hmm. So... I've now gone through it twice now, more preparing for the podcast and stuff, but it's a strong, like Ryan was saying, I love the the morality of it. I love trying to decide, is this, was this a good thing? Was this a bad thing? Was that a right decision made for the wrong reasons? Was that a wrong decision made for the right reasons? Like, mm -hmm. I like those kind of well, conversations we've been able to have. Let's actually dive right into that because, and I should say for anybody who is joining us for the first time, just you know, welcome to the Legendarium. We're going to skip around. We don't, you know, we're not going to talk about the story in linear order. We're going to spoil everything. So, uh, but, but timelines be damned. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about the women of this story and what it is that you like about them. I mean, not necessarily that you like them and all their choices, but what is it that you liked reading when it came to the women of this story? Well, I thought it was interesting. The first time we we listened to this because I've just listened to these, um, but um, was Elaine, 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 Elaine. Mm -hmm. Elaine. Yeah. Um, I did not pay any attention to her the first time through. Like, eh. Like she was she was there and she was an important character for Kylar and the decisions he was making. But as a character on her own, I was kind of like. Okay, like she, you knew what she was going to do. You knew what her decisions were going to be because that's the type of person she was raised to be. You knew she was going to make the right decision. Like uh -huh. she was always going to do the right thing. Well, the second time that I listened through it, I was like, I can't stand her. Really? Like she just grated on me. She got on my nerves. I was like, really? Like this kid has just done all of this crap just to show you that he loves you and he's cared for you all his life. And and you're just going to turn your back. Like, I just got so annoyed with all of her decisions. Like, 
Who who gives you the right to be this judgmental? Well, his name really... is Brent Weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't have his bio in front of me, so I can't tell you that much about him. But uh, as far as this book is concerned, he's God, so he gave her the right. <laughs> but I think that that's that is an interesting uh, relationship thing to be able to explore in the series is the relationship between Aline and Kylar in the sense that she doesn't her morality does not allow for her to be with Kylar because like how do you justify being with a murderer you know being with this person who does these terrible things when you say that you follow this this one god and and forgiveness mm-hmm. and all like their relationship shouldn't work but it works but it's still there the feelings the that core group of feelings is still there from the fact that they grew up together and he has cared for her and she like it's but she would she not doesn't have gotten... know that. She's in love with this mystical with man yes. that's, right. that's taking care of her her entire life. That She gave the name Kylar. She didn't even know who it was. So she's in love well, with now, this man. Well, now, as I understand it, Kylar was a figure kind of in the periphery. She and knew she who like, he was. She kind of thought he was hot. And so she's like, oh, my benefactor, I like him. I'll name him Kylar yeah. too, right? That. Okay, good. I'm not crazy. That's how that yeah, works. Yeah, okay. she knew who Kylar was, and so she just started imagining, oh, that has right. to be my benefactor because he's a good person. So, right. But I don't really know him, but he's still... I like. Let me ask you guys this. How believable do you think those two are? At the, at the end of the story, they kind of get together. At, like, does that... I guess to your point, somebody's point, how does that, how does that work? they they are they have that shared childhood experience but now they've led two completely different lives they have nothing in common except uh you know some years together when they were really really little kids um and and now and he still feels like oh i'm just madly in love with this girl when obviously it's we've all been infatuated and and you know with time and distance that in the person the uh, the object of your infatuation can become idolized in some way mm-hmm. um and then you bring them together and you know like he does really well in this story he, the, the sparks kind of fly and the, things aren't looking quite right between them and then at the end of the story it's just like yeah but oh well let's do it you know when he says run away with me uh to her now i will say i will say i am glad that at the end of the book he didn't quite it wasn't like and then they kissed and they lived happily forever after it was like yeah let's give it a shot yes. uh, and then you know they held hands off into the sunset <laughs> right yeah um so i i feel like it's maybe that kind of gives it an out but at the same time like he weeks is still giving us that cathartic moment of oh and the guy gets the girl at the end and i, I wasn't sure if i bought it Yes. Uh, the reason it works for me is because it's not love as we tend to think about it. Both of them have a very skewed view of what love is. Because, I know what love is. <laughs> um, because of the way they were raised, even in their different lifestyle, growing up different lifestyles and everything. Aline's view of love, because of her scars, because of uh, just the way because she, she had a guy propose to her like like she she has she's dealt with what love is generally in stories here like someone yeah. who's interested in you and there's an attraction and going on but for her 
And for Kylar, love is based out of that undeserved care for someone. Like, I didn't do anything to earn the protection that you have given me, the life you've given me, everything. I'm not worthy of it, but you still want this. So honestly, when they take off together, like they both have this sense of like, I'm not worthy of you uh, for each other, yeah. which isn't going to sustain a long-term relationship. Like it doesn't work that way. But because of where they come from, I'm okay with them getting to this point and saying, let's go try this. Like run away with me. We've we've gotten through this terrible ordeal. Let's go and, and try this and try and live a normal life. And we have two books to go, so we know that's not going to be the whole thing. <laughs> I just, I do want to point out, uh, before we move on to any other subjects, that uh, it's remarkable what a difference Ken makes on a podcast. Can you imagine us talking about relationships for the first 10 minutes uh, with Ken here? I can't. Stephanie, you are a malign influence on this podcast. Repent. Okay. <laughs> so... Uh, let's let's talk about some other characters then. We, we've talked about Aline and her relationship to Kylar. I feel like we can probably save Kylar a little bit. Kylar? Azoth? I'm not sure what to call him. Kylar. Maybe, maybe yeah. we can get to that in, in a little while. But let's talk about some of the other kind of peripheral characters. Uh, and here's one that I have to say I was really, really intrigued by and then ultimately quite let down by. And that was Solon. Okay, Solon Tofusen. Sure, yes. Thank you for remembering <laughs> that name. Um, he shows up and he's he's kind of... Uh, what, what would we compare him to? He, he's, the, he's the advisor to a secondary character. Um, and there's a whole chapter with him coming to the mansion. And he's like, oh, I'm going to apprentice... Or not apprentice. I'm going to become the advisor of this spoiled rich kid oh it turns out he's a nice spoiled rich kid and this is going to be great and then we don't hear from him ever for 10 years and then the next time we see him he's being banished by the family and it's supposed to be this whole momentous event going on with him and fulfilling prophecy by coming to this kid and becoming his advisor and delivering certain messages and all this and i just felt like when I read that initial chapter, I was like, oh, the, I, I like these characters. I'm I'm ready for this. And then nothing. Mm -hmm. uh, did you guys get that at all? Or do you, do you see what I'm saying? On my initial read through Solon, Dorian, and Feyre, it was kind of like, I'm not really sure what these characters are supposed to be. Other than what? like at the end when um, I think it's Solon who uses Kyorok to kill all the... Right, right. To kind of basically free Kylar up to do what he needs to do. Like, I was like, was that their whole purpose was just to be there? Because that feels like a throwaway to me of these characters. Well, I, I suspect I, the, the, what I'm coming up with is that um, Weeks is setting things up to expand the world building mm -hmm. with them. And like, the, you know, they're outlanders. They're from some other country. And so we'll follow these characters. Uh, it's a bit like uh, like Sazed, right? Mm -hmm. Where if, eventually you're going to get a lot more in this guy's head. And so that's the excuse that I came up with. But at the same time, like in this book, I was really let down. Yeah, they're completely confusing. I was like, I don't know who these guys are. I don't know why they're here. I think they're hilarious. Like their interactions and their communications with each other, I think add a nice, like softer point to some really deep stuff that happens in the book. So it's kind of nice to break that up with the comedic, like their comedic timing and just some of their conversations and their bantering back and forth. 
But it wasn't until the second time through that I really started appreciating their characters. And I'm excited and I'm looking forward to them having a bigger part in the story. Have you read the second? I have book? not. Oh, I have ooh. been holding off because I didn't want to start thinking, oh, and this happens and this happens. Oh, wait, we're still in book one. So I have not gone on. I have just read book one twice and I will probably be starting book two tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> if not tonight on the drive home. Right? Yes. Yep. So I'm excited and like they have me excited to find out why he bothered giving us a taste of these characters without really divulging anything about yeah. them yeah, and this I, if you guys don't mind i kind of want to zoom out and talk about uh, the way that these books and these series that we've been reading are structured uh, we ran into this a little bit when we read farseer where um at, taken as a whole the trilogy the farseer trilogy we thought it was interesting there were some things that you know that miffed us a little bit but mm -hmm. taken as a whole it's like yeah i can see uh, you know what people like about it um, but that first book, it, we had such a rough time with that first book because it was not really a book. It was part one, mm -hmm. right? And, but when you're, when I'm being marketed with a a book, I want a story, you know, beginning, yeah. middle, end and all that. Um, are you, and, and this is definitely not to that level. This is a story with a beginning, middle and end, but there are those little moments like the Solon stuff and, you know, there are a few other things as well that it, it, we'll get to the magic system <laughs> in just a minute. But um, but are you OK with this? And, and do you go into these series kind of expecting that now where you're going to get morsels and not just morsels, but huge chunks, entire chapters that will not be paid off in the book that you're reading? To a certain extent, um yes ish i'm more inclined to say i'm for me i tend to go into these on a first read to just see the feel like get the feel of it as i go through knowing that i am going to miss things knowing that there are things that are not going to pay off for me like that it may not pay off in this book especially if i already know that it's a trilogy or that multiple things are going to happen um and i think that that's that's okay um especially knowing that it's a bigger story piece there as long as you make the portion that I'm following enjoyable. Mm -hmm. And I do feel like that. Like, yes, I, I can see why feeling like Solon would be a bit of a letdown. Um, honestly, on my third, going back on the third time on this one, like, th there's stuff there. Yeah. There's stuff there that makes it more enjoyable. Well, but, but having, having read the whole trilogy, I'm yes. not sure that it's fair for you to, <laughs> to judge that in that in that way so i shouldn't even even ask you the question <laughs> but that's 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 kind of my point here is saying if you're expecting on your first read through it's like getting sitting down at thanksgiving dinner and saying i'm gonna taste everything on the first plate like no you're not like you can dedicate you're you're, you're going to have to come back and deal with things on an, on multiple go passes through are you, are you hungry are you, are you a little hungry <laughs> there's pizza right over there yes um but that, that for me is like, so I, I'm trying to be cognizant of, for myself when I read a book to not necessarily mark a book down for something. I'm like, that didn't pay off. So that's a mark against this book. But to put a, ten, like to Just put a put tab a there and it. say, okay, yeah. if this doesn't get resolved, then it's a missed, then that's a missed opportunity. Um, and that's the, that's the way I feel with this series. 
Um, and I guarantee, yes, there will be things that probably it's like, okay, that's how we resolved it. Like, okay, whatever. <laughs> it's not a perfect series by any stretch of the imagination, but um, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, I, I, I could bring up more stuff, but maybe I should kick it to you guys. What do you guys want to talk about? Should we go on to, to some other characters? Are there any burning bullet points that you want to get to? Uh, I say we keep going with some characters. Yeah. That's it's it's this book series. I expect us to talk a lot about the characters and their and their paths. There are so many of them. That was my hard thing. So many to characters get, getting through this is we're getting so many storylines of all of these side characters mm. and who Kylar's meeting and how they fit in with the grand scheme of everything. Oh and like, man, that. Did you have you read uh, the Farseer? Mm-mm. I mean, I, I apologize that I'm bringing it up more than once. We just read it, and so it's kind of fresh on my mind. Uh, and we'll bring up Farseer or <laughs> Mistborn or you know other things, and we'll try not to spoil any plot points on those. But yeah, we'll talk about them a little bit. But um, but it's interesting that in the Farseer trilogy, she is Robin Hobb is super strict about one single point of view. Through the entire trilogy, all you get is that main character, first person point of view, um, and, and so it's all very limited and narrow. Brent Weeks was not scared at <laughs> no. all to follow whatever point of view kind of caught his fancy at the moment, and so you would get some random guard or a tertiary character, or you know, Mama Kay sitting down at her desk, or you know, whoever. And I kept um, wanting to open up the book, and I haven't to see if it's easier to follow reading the book. Because that was my biggest complaint listening to the book is um, his the, narrator. The shifts. I had such, I was like, wait a minute, wait, okay, who am I listening to? Who's talking mm-hmm. now? I don't know who this is. Where are we? And then there are times that he jumps ahead like 15 years. <laughs> right. And I was like, what? Huh? What was that all about? I don't know what that, what just happened here. And that's my complaint about just specifically the audiobook is that there wasn't enough um, distinction between characters mm-hmm. voice wise to be like okay i can follow this conversation a little bit easier because when i'm reading a book i can always glance back and i'm glancing ahead and like uh-huh. when the words are in front of me it's a lot different than if i'm just listening to them yeah and and i think there's something to be said for the editing of the audiobook where the engineer could have put just a little extra space like the the paragraph changes versus the double carriage return mm-hmm. it, there's not much mm-hmm. of a distinction between the two and so there are a couple portions where the the pov shifts are really quick and so if, if you're listening you're not sure when to change your own mindset and so i i, I tend to do like i've done now for years for the podcast i've been doing whisper sync uh which I'll I'll just free plug Lord Bezos and uh, and all of his technological wonder right here and just say WhisperSync is amazing mm-hmm. and get it where you can read the Kindle version and then seamlessly switch over to the audiobook. Um and yeah, I found when I was doing the ebook and reading, it was really easy to keep up. And then when I would switch over, I had to pay real close attention. The second time through made that so much easier cuz I knew what I was mm-hmm. listening to. So yeah. I enjoyed it more the second time through and it was easier. But that first time through was confusing at times. Which, that actually actually brings up a point that I will revisit, I think, in each subsequent book um, from here on out. But one of the things that I've really enjoyed about Brent Weeks writing in the Night Angel trilogy is that when he's writing a character's point of view, 
the language, the his word choice, everything fits that character. I don't feel like I'm getting an omnipotent narrator that speaks the same way the whole time. And it gets it'll be it gets more profound as you go through. But when you're listening to Kylar's uh, Kylar's portion versus a Mama K chapter versus you know a, a Dorian chapter or something like that, like the language choice, the the way that it's all put together, like after a while you start to get to know the feel of it. So I can listen and be like, based on the first three sentences of this, have four f words. This is probably Viridiana. Like that's the sort of thing that I, <laughs> yeah. that I'm able to pull out. Like okay. And I, I actually really appreciate the fact that that's the case for as, especially when you're listening, um, because you start to catch that as you go along. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah okay. Uh, let's talk about, I want to save Durzo Blint. Got to save him. Let's talk about Mama K. Okay. Uh, woman in the audience. <laughs> How do we like Mama K? Uh, because it, uh, all right, Mama K, good woman or greatest woman? <laughs> <laughs> she is um, it, okay. Well, I, are there more than two female characters in this book? I mean, I know there are, but as far as significant speaking roles, are there more than two? There's her and there's Eileen. Uh, Eileen, um, you get minor characters in the Drakes. I think the, the Drakes, Drakes, the oldest daughter. What's her name? Uh, Sarah. Oh, Sierra, that's right. Plays a a part. Yeah, I mean, not anyway, necessarily. But I guess I my there, my point is many. there there are two really major female characters. One of them is a saint, and then one of them is a manipulative shrew with a heart of gold. Or yeah, I don't know quite like <laughs> maybe not gold, but <laughs> uh, with some kind of beating heart with within. a heart at least. So. It, I mean, how did you feel about her? Is she is she all right? As did you feel like the female characters got shortchanged a little bit, or were you good with them? I think the hardest thing about, especially Mama K's character, is where her power came from. I mean, she started in a whorehouse. She... I mean, but who didn't? I mean, we all did, right? <laughs> how do you That's... think this got built? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then by the end, she's the most powerful person. And runs all of the whorehouses. Like she built her. Well, she runs. The term is brothel. <laughs> well, actually, the term is brothel. There you go. I'm gonna... <laughs> well, actually, just, just a moment there of mansplaining. You know. <laughs> uh, well, she runs the whole city, doesn't she? I mean, she's the the leader of the she's the Shin Saga, yeah. the Sakagi that no one really knows that it's her. Yeah. Like, right. She runs everything, but no one knows she runs everything. Mm -hmm. Like, but I think that was my hardest thing with her is. Was there another way for her to get to the point she is that didn't have to deal with sex? Why Why does all of her power have to come from the fact that she can have sex? So Brent Weeks is kind of... There's a couple of different ways we could look at it. He's playing a, a, a very traditional stereotyping game. Men fight, kill, blood, guts, horror, all that stuff. Women, sex, pretty, <laughs> you know, blonde hair, big boobs. Um, and, and so it's, it's all kind of various stereotypical that way. And so we can excuse him for that and just say, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of the way most of the world is viewed, whether rightly or wrongly, uh, or we can ask him for more and say, you know, let's, okay, let's, what else do you got? Can, can you transcend the stereotypes? Can you give us something different? Actually, something I was thinking of, um, was 
you, you know who's not often held up as a paragon of uh, uh, writing female characters is Tolkien. But if you think about it, his two major female characters are Galadriel and Eowyn, who are elevated in his story for one for her wisdom and the other for her courage. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's there are other directions you can go to to give a woman power and, and prestige within your story. Right. And I think like, she's she's well written. She she has a nice arc. There's important things that like decisions she makes. And I love that she's she's educated. She knows what she's doing, obviously, or she wouldn't have gotten to where where she's gotten. She knows how to use the information she's given because not everyone can do that and use it to to farther themselves and right it, and have that cunning that yeah. she has. Yeah. So I get like I like her as a character, but I think that she could have been more. And that's kind of what and it's like what you were saying with the it's just stereotypical. It's what you expect. It's what kind of the world is. Women come to power because of their boobies pretty much like and i think that she could have been so much more than she was to get to that same point i yeah i understand the i understand that argument i also part of me sits here and goes but then isn't she in a position where she's technically better than the rest of the characters in the story what do you mean well, she got to her power like she didn't have to have sex to get to her power. Like we follow that line and say she didn't have to be a prostitute. She was able to figure it out without that. So, so because so she, she followed a moral compass, of, because her morality didn't require her to sell herself, she's now on a higher plane than everyone else because she didn't have to suffer what everyone else did. So, so I think she's stronger for having gone okay. through that. Yeah. So, I mean, we mentioned her cunning and that might not be that might not come through if she didn't have to go through what every other hooker on the street had to go through well there i mean and admittedly her path is different because she was listed she he's written her as the courtesan of the age like right she's a the one of the most beautiful women to ever exist oh yeah we'll get there and um but in my mind if like we were talking about the idea of strong characters like whether or not mama k is a strong character a strong female character um and for me, one of the big things to separate when talking about strong characters is that a strong character doesn't have to be a role model. Like, you don't necessarily have to say that this is... Yeah, the, I, I, you don't have to want to be that person. Right. So to me, Mama K is a very strong character because there are thousands of women who had to go through, who have to go through the brothels, who have to be, you know, that are born in the... Um, what's the name for their ghetto? Um, the Warrens. The Warrens. Like... Hundreds of women, thousands of people who had to go through this. She rose above everyone else because A, she was lucky and beautiful. Like she had that. And then she figured out how to use that. And then as that power grew, she grabbed onto the other power pieces that that offered themselves to her. The the learning secrets, being a part of it. Like she figured all that out and became the Shinga, the leader of the criminal underground because of her intellect and her taking advantage of what she had. Sure. So, so if I understand your argument, it's that, yes, on the surface, things are very stereotypical. And Brent Weeks is, uh, you know, packing another beauty with big boobs in a leading role, uh, just like a thousand other authors have done. But you scratch the surface a little bit and you see something a little bit deeper, right? Yes. Um, and I think if, in this book specifically, I appreciated that at the end of this book, 
she is seen as in her worst. Kylar literally gives her a poison that's going to make her just crap herself to death. Which is awesome, like, by the way. She's not wearing any makeup. She's And Kylar talks about how she just does not look. She looks like a totally old. different person. Yeah. She looks old. She, everything here. Old and busted, we're as seeing, Will Smith would say. <laughs> we're seeing her supposedly in this true self like this is what she really is you know this person I, who's broken and I, I i did think it was a little much when he walks in the room and she's removed the makeup from half of her face <laughs> and on one half she's the beautiful mama k and on the other half it's like harvey two-face or something <laughs> i was like come on anyway sorry go on no that's fine but we get to that moment um and kyler has this whole discussion with her about you know and she's like you know you're not gonna make me regret like all yeah. these different things, but we realize that there are aspects to Mama K that she was, that she hasn't shown yet, that she hasn't been able to let free in terms of the fact that she loved Durzo. Like, and that we look at that and go, based on your lifestyle, based on you as a character, what does love look like for you? And what, did, like, how do you really love Durzo? And I just think that there was so much to Mama K in those that I, and the reason that everyone looks to her is she is a sign of strength and that she has multiple levels and lots of depth to her. I, it's why I think that she is a very strong character. Would I want a young girl to read this story and go, I want to be Mama K? I'd go, <laughs> probably not, not. Like, you don't want to be Mama K. But, but the lesson there might be we all have, we all have natural gifts, whatever form those might take you know physical mental emotional spiritual whatever um find them and use them yeah to the best of your ability you know and, and try to do it while being a decent human being mama k again maybe not the best example of that but at least there's a part of that in her story we hit that multiple times in the story and uh take kylar and durzo in training like kylar at one point in time is talking about how durzo trained him that in a fight i think it's when he's going to fight logan um, or something like that and it's like you don't throw a kick above the knees like he basically just says in fighting you just do what you have to do to win. You you do what's there. Like take your skills, take what you need to do, and be smart about it. And Logan, on the other hand, is the type of guy who fights with rules and and everything right. else. You're like, and so the lesson we take from this is like, which of those camps do you tend to follow? Are you the type of person that will follow the rules in about, a fight, or are you the type who's going to say, I you know, I'm not going to kick above the knees because it's just all it's going to do is throw me off balance. Yeah, is it, and use is what it about got. honor or is it about winning? Who's of the people in this story, whose path would you follow to get what you want? So just pick whatever you want in life, whether it be, I want to be a famous actor. I want to be a, an author. I want to be whatever. Whose path are you going to follow to get to that? Hmm. Uh, I mean, I have my answer, but I'll, I'll keep that to myself. Mama K. Yeah. <laughs> Is that Daedra? I don't know. Well, who's that? She's the, um, blonde prostitute that mama k offers to kylar oh, that looks like aline okay yeah oh sure sure yeah i mean I'll, it's fine it's a gig i can get behind i really can't believe you cracked that joke <laughs> <laughs> uh okay so gosh um i feel like we could go off on a few in a few different directions but maybe we ought to stick with a few more characters and keep it there for this episode and then talk about some other kind of broader story stuff in the next one. Yeah. Um, so lastly, let's go ahead and talk about Durzo Blint and Kylar Stern. 
Azoth, whatever. That's one thing that, again, we'll probably get to this in the next episode, but the names. Oh, the names. All the names. So, do you feel... I feel like the way you just talked about characters and, and whatnot, that, that's a really good segue to talk about Durzo Blint mm-hmm. uh, because he is... He's interesting. He's capable. He's, uh, you know, a, a horrible, filthy killer and all this stuff. But, uh, and and as a teenage boy, I mean, that's kind of why I cracked the joke up top, where as a teenage boy, you're like, oh, this guy's awesome. He runs around on rooftops and he slits throats and he takes names and he goes to whorehouses all day. You know, like, this guy's awesome. And then on the other hand, you know, reading him as an adult, you're like, Dude, this this is a horrible human being. <laughs> yeah. Who has who has some things to teach our main character, sure. But uh but maybe not somebody you would want to hold up as as a uh, uh paragon of virtue <laughs> or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Okay, Durzo Blint. Like him, hate him. Stephanie, what do you think? I don't know. I was just having this thought, like all of a sudden I felt Durzo was kind of like I don't know if one-sided is the right... I don't think that's the right word I want. But, like... Shallow? You, he's he's kind of not a very deep character in in the way that he was written. Like, you know, if this is the choice, if he's chosen between A and B, like, you know what he's going to choose. You know, okay, here, I've been given this... This... I've been offered this debtor. You know whether he's going to take it or not by the political gain or whatever like he's mm-hmm. not a very deep character in in that kind of respect like you always know what he's I, going to decide i think i agree with you right up until the very end of the book and i well, think then he's dead he's so. not a conflicted <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's not a conflicted character there that's true okay in this book he is not a conflicted character doug gunnett did you just ruin books two and three for me no okay good um he's dead not, at the end of this book like okay all right that's right. what it came back he does he come back yeah in so, this book he's not I, he's but. dead my my <laughs> point is and i like the way you put it he's not a conflicted character like you say yeah. Stephanie, you know what he's gonna what he's gonna do or say um and for most of the book that makes him maybe not as interesting as other characters to read i i think he's plenty interesting but um but at the end of the book when he and Kylar are facing off and there's this whole question of uh, they're going to try to kill each other and whatnot where he kind of flips a little bit. Weeks flips Durzo on his head and uh, and Durzo is, he, he taunts Kylar by saying, I'm the one who gave doll girl her scars. And because you, Did you know him, it? I was just going to say, because you know him, as well as you're saying up to that point, I was like, oh yeah, that's crazy. And I hundred <laughs> percent believe it, uh, that, that he went and did that just to push Kylar and all that. Like, oh, what a piece of garbage and all, and all that. And then, and then he flips it through later conversations and with, you know, talking with mama K and all that where, yeah, he was that. And then at the very end of the book, you find out that, oh, you know what? He was somebody with depth. And with, uh, you know, a moral code and and the ability to judge. Uh, does that make sense? So I guess I my point is just I'm with you up to a point, and that point that twist at the very end is what made him an interesting character. Finally, uh, Durzo I think provides us with a it's an he's another measuring stick against Kylar so that we can see 
either Kylar is going to become Durzo, or Kylar is going to have to change, like, he wants to be Durzo, like, that's his dream from the beginning, I want to be Durzo Blint, and then he kind of learns about Durzo, and his own choices tend to sway him to follow the path, but differently, to do different things than Durzo did, um, and I think that's a, that's a large purpose for him. And we are coming into the story like we know that Durzo is a lot older than we thought at the beginning of the book. Yeah. Like he's... Uh, 700 years old or something yeah, like that. He's he's a Kalos Thorn, like this character from legend, basically. So he's had plenty of time to establish what he's going to do and be through a lot, go through a lot. So he's kind of at that point in his life where I I am... For a little to do a little bit of Ron Swanson, I do what I want. Like I don't need anything other than to do what I want to do. And I that's that's where you get at the beginning until you get to the point where his daughter comes into the picture. Yeah. And that I was appreciative of the fact that this hardened character through the whole thing who really doesn't seem to care about anything, but you can tell he's kind of caring about Kylar, mm-hmm. realizes he has a daughter. And then the bit of conflict he deals with in this book is saying, so I have a daughter. Do I try and save her? Do I kill her? Do like, what do I do? Do I pass her off? I pass her off. Yeah. And remember at the beginning of the story, one of the first things that it drops in there is he's just lost this girl's mom, Vonda. Like I, 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 I played a game. I, I called the bluff of the God King and failed and Vonda died. So like, I I loved I loved Durzo as the measuring stick for Kylar. Yeah. Okay. Um we'd better actually shockingly to some people we'd better call it here. Um we need to wrap this episode up so that we can prepare for the next one. Uh just kidding. No, we always we these are live. <laughs> these are these are totally live. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, but we do have a guest coming on for the next episode. We got so we got to prepare for that. Um, but gosh, that's too bad because this is a really interesting discussion. I actually almost um, earlier today I finished up the book and and it was revealed who Durzo really was and and I was thinking to myself, you know, immortality is uh, is a common trope in fantasy literature. Mm-hmm. Characters gaining immortality and how does that change your moral calculus? Mm-hmm. Because there, there are scenes, there are moments when you know that Durzo Blint has been out to the whorehouses or he's about to go out to the whorehouses and you're like, oh man, what a, what a pig. You know, <laughs> like, except for the absolute most libertarianish among us, most of us are like, yeah, okay, it's fine. Yeah, prostitution is illegal. That's probably, you know, for the best. Um, but, but does the moral calculus change if you're immortal and you know that like, you know, falling in love is not the wisest course of action for you or anybody that you might fall in love with? And so how do you, you know, how does that change the way you view prostitution, for instance? <laughs> I, little things like that, like mm-hmm. you could you could really have an interesting discussion about immortality and the way it changes things. There's a lot of lenses that you can look through um, on any of these characters and their actions and and kind of say, yeah, I get it. It makes sense. Or no, that's terrible. And that's that's what's happening with um, Aline and Kylar is Aline's lens and Kylar's lens, like what they're lo- the way they look at life isn't working very well. But yeah, I think immortality is is going to be a a big player, yeah. obviously, in this. Um, yeah. 
Well, very good. Let's uh, let's kick it to the next episode. Then uh, we will be back. I mean, <laughs> we're just going to hit stop and then hit record again. But you can come back and listen in two weeks. Uh, we will continue our discussion of The Way of Shadows, Night Angel number one. And what we're going to do, yes, we're going to get to a ton of Reddit comments. And so we're going to be talking about uh, the magic systems. We're going to be talking about Rat, the the villain, <laughs> which we didn't get to at all. We're going to be talking about Bible quotes, apparently. Um, what was the other one that I thought was really interesting? Oh, well, I can't remember. I'm sure there will be other character things that we bring up, too. We yeah. we forgot about Jarl. And... There's so many we haven't touched on because there are so many. Yeah, there's a lot of characters, a lot of names. We'll talk about the naming conventions. and Well, there there is no convention, but we'll get to that. Anyway, so I hope you'll <laughs> stick around. I hope you'll stick around and uh, join us for that discussion as well. Thank you for listening to this one. Once again, patreon.com slash legendarium is where you can go and support the program. The legendarium.reddit.com is where you can discuss this episode and the things that we talked about. Uh, the only thing I don't want to hear on this discussion is how come you guys didn't talk about X because you don't know. Maybe we did later. <laughs> so <laughs> Wait until we get put out our second episode. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, no, but, uh, but we do hope you'll join us there for that discussion. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Enjoy your week. Next week, Blue Team is back with their second discussion of the first Dune book. Um, and they are back again with James Jenkins, uh, the author who joined them on that previous episode. So uh, I thought he did great. I hope you enjoy that episode as well. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you later. <laughs> Stop breaking stuff. Just looking up uh, potential other names for assassin for you know the term what an assassin could be. You know, I'm not sure I want to hear them. Yeah, Stephanie, so you like, go. You say something. I don't really want to know what this whole list is, so maybe if, you should just keep that one to yourself. If one of them is wet work, I don't want to know how much worse they get. <laughs> <laughs>